you're welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. And today I am going to talk to you about foot binding in China. And right now I know you're thinking, what does that have to do with sex, drugs, or spirituality? And we're going to get to it. Um, but I had always heard about... Oh, yeah, in China, they used to bind women's feet to keep them small and hobble them. Um, and I had thought that it was an antiquated process, like like something that had happened in like the equivalent to the Middle Ages or, you know what I mean? Like when we think about stuff that happened 500 years ago, 600 years ago. Um, and that I just, I didn't know much about it other than I assumed in, in the long, long ago, they used to do this thing to women because they liked their feet small. And I guess I kind of assumed that it was just similar to putting like a, too small of a shoe on. <laughs> I didn't really know what the binding process was or looked like. I just thought, oh, they probably put really tight socks on them to try to keep their feet small. Um, and it happened a million years ago. Cut to, I'm on Instagram. Instagram stories thinks that I want to see gross stuff. And it thinks this because it showed me one pimple popping video, which led to another, which led to another. And now those are the ones I stop on. I try not to click on them. I don't like them. I don't subscribe, but they show up in my feed and um, I don't swipe past them fast enough. So now Instagram is like, we're going to show you the grossest stuff. And I really wish they would stop because what happens is I develop a morbid curiosity. And next thing you know, it's um, 2 a.m. I'm researching a rare sweat gland disorder and then I'm seeing surgery videos. Like that's, and it's not a place that I want to be. Um, I'm really, really, really struggling with my focus in life right now. Like I am acting as though there are not enough hours in the day when actually the problem is I'm not managing my time well. And I think all of it leads back to the fact that I had not been working out enough and I feel like exercise and sex just really clears the mind and opens you up and you have more focus and if you are not fucking or working out enough the cobwebs that exist will lead you to scrolling Instagram for no fucking reason I firmly believe this and so I've been really trying to um, work out every day but like it's it's slow to change because like the minute I started working out every day, I got a horrible cold. And then I spent five days being miserable thinking that I weigh 300 pounds now because I haven't worked out in five days. Um, so this is my pledge to you is that I am, I'm not waiting until New Year's to make a resolution. The resolutions are here. The resolutions are work out more and fuck more. That's all that I can hope for myself. Um, I'm also uh, going to possibly maybe go to therapy about my alleged autism. Um, I just, it's like everyone, I, whatever, um, you know, going to therapy. Uh, so I'm scrolling through 
Instagram and I see a video of like a weird mangled foot and it says Chinese foot binding and I click on it and it's these very very elderly ladies who are the holdovers who are still surviving who lived in an era of foot binding to which I'm like what the fuck like I thought that was something that happened hundreds and hundreds of years ago how are women alive today who have had this practice done to them and also in the videos you see that the toes are curled under the foot and it's just is a lot more gnarly than um my sort of brain when they were like, oh, they used to bind women's feet. It's a lot more intensive than my um, tight sock theory that I had previously held. So cut to me reading 70 articles about foot binding and watching documentary videos. And like, I cannot believe that this practice not only happened, but also it wasn't like a bad. Like if you think about in Eurocentric history, the era of the corset, which the when corsets were popular, that they were so tight, they misplaced the organs and caused health problems. There was a very short period of time. It was less than a hundred years. So I'm looking this up and foot binding first appeared in the mid to late 1200s, so the late 13th century. And there's a bunch of theories as to where it came from. You know, some uh, ruler guy saw a lady dance and she had tiny little feet um, and her feet had been bound to the shape of a lotus flower. And then it became like this sort of like, oh, this is the ideal is this lotus shaped foot, which, you know, it's so funny. I did all this reading and I never even looked up what a fucking lotus looks like. Um, or maybe I have to type in lotus flower. Free entertainment, friends. Listen to me, Google. Okay, so maybe the feet are supposed to look like a petal on the lotus. Yep, they're supposed to look like a lotus petal. Um, and so this, that was the mid-1200s. And it became pretty widespread spread into the 1300s. And listen, I don't know anything about Chinese history. So when they talk about the different dynasty eras, I don't know. I cannot hold on to that. My brain doesn't know because I don't have the base knowledge to interpret that information. So anyways, there's a bunch of stories about, uh, or perhaps it came from a Buddhist uh, a Buddhist legend of this lady named Padmavati under whose feet lotus springs forth. Um, and so then they started calling them lotus feet, which um, the ideal was what they call a three-inch golden lotus. Um, but And most sources I read kept saying three inches, but apparently three Chinese inches is closer to four of what we consider inches in America, that it's a different, they're called inches, but they're different um, measuring systems. I don't know. So it was the three-inch golden lotus, which may have been four inches for our, our Westerners. If it was four inches, um, it was called a silver lotus. And then if it was bigger than that, it was called, hold on, I'll tell you right now, because I already forgot. You know how you read things and you go, I'm going to know this forever. Okay. Uh, four inch was a silver lotus, but five 
inches or longer were dismissed as iron lotuses. And the Smithsonian says that this um, limited marriage prospects. But I think overall, they still saw someone with bound feet um, as desirable as a spouse. Um, So let's talk about why people did this. Because I read this thing that was talking about how at this time in Chinese history, it wasn't so much that the class systems were set that you were born into them. You could see, you could ascend your class through merit. There was a a meritocracy going on. So um, that's great, actually, that people could, there was upward social mobility. It wasn't a caste system that was set in stone. Um, But also women could marry up and that would help them and also their families. So in poor families, they would often bind the feet of the eldest daughter and then the younger daughters would be set to be like her helpers because it was a very crippling procedure. Um, And so it started as something the upper classes would do. And then because who can afford to be crippled for for vanity's sake? And it's the upper class who they don't have to work. If you're not working in the fields, um, if you are not a laborer, you can afford to do something fucking ridiculous to your body for vanity's sake. And it doesn't matter that it hinders your mobility. Kind of like how really long fingernails you developed, like decorative fingernails were a sign that you weren't doing manual labor for work. Um, and so that's like kind of a thing. Like obviously if you have really long, you know, blinged out nails, it's a sign that you aren't digging crops like you probably don't work at a warehouse that it's it's a sign that you have an elevated class or station in life that you don't need to do manual labors and so you can cripple yourself and I've seen some nails that really made me wonder how these women change their tampons but maybe they just use pads I don't know if you have any answers sydneydelorean at gmail.com how do you change your tampon when you have like, and I'm not talking about like any manner of like normal manicure. I'm talking about like giant stiletto nails. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. Um, I just like, Oh yeah, I can have long nails. Cause I don't have to worry about flicking my bean. Cause like other people flick it for me. Like good for fucking you. Okay. Um, <laughs> So um, there also are theories because the rise of foot binding in the lower classes also coincides with the area, uh, the era of the, like um, the creation of fibers and textiles, where um, you know women were doing making thread and weaving and creating garments in the home for money. And so some people, um, some historians, not random people, some historians think that it wasn't just, oh, this was something that the upper classes did that the um, poor people tried to emulate, um, or it wasn't just a way to marry out of your class. They think that it might have been a way to get women to lower class women to sit still in the home and focus on their um, textile work because um, they were hobbled 
And so they weren't going, these little kids who had to work, they weren't running around in the yard or, you know, doing kid shit and their feet were in so much horrible, horrible pain that there was nothing they could do but sit, which made them really great textile workers um, or really great office workers. I just, God bless the fact that people can sit in cubicles all day, but I've, I've tried it. It's not for me. Um, so let's talk about the process of how this foot binding happened. And, and by the way, just, so just to give you an idea of how long that foot binding went on mid 12, mid 12 hundreds. And it like the last people whose feet were bound was in the 1940s. So that's 700 years that this was happening, which I could not believe because doesn't it sound like something that would have been tried in antiquity and immediately dropped not something that would persist for 700 years and be normalized um, to the point where there are like colloquial sayings that reference binding cloths um, I guess I'll get to that later so the process of doing this they would start when the little girl was like four to five years old um, while they're still growing um, because not only do you want to get it going as this so they'll grow their feet will grow into the proper shape but also their little baby bones are easier to break um <laughs> which is so really it's really difficult to think about um and like some girls would like do their own I read this story about this girl who her mom started the process but her mom died and so for subsequent adjustments she would break her own feet uh, which is insane. Um, and this woman who's telling this story is alive today. Um, so anyways, they would start by soaking the feet in warm water or there'd be herbs or there'd be animal blood, um, you know, to, to loosen up the feet, to soften them. I don't know, just to, to, to have your feet feel good for the last time in your entire life. And so then what they would do is they would break all the toes but the big toes and then those toes would be folded under the foot so that picture like the pad of your pinky toe is now touching the ball of your foot and then they would bind those in and they would pull the big toe over and that would help create that sort of lotus petal shape um, and I should say, also, if you're coming here for, like, historical accuracy, I'm sorry. I'm not a historian. I'm a person who gets high and reads a lot. Um, but China's a really big fucking country. So, obviously, it, when you deal with large countries, large land masses, especially, you know, pre-modern era where we have a global society thanks to technology, um, you're going to have different cultures based on regions and so there were some regions where this was where the process stopped it was fold the baby toes under pull the big toe to the side so it makes a lotus petal shape and bind that shit up uh, tight and then you have these like lotus shaped feet but they still had they were normal like a flat foot um however that was not the predominant way it did not 
stop there. So what they would do was they would, after they got the toes under, they would um, basically try to pull. I'm trying to, I'm looking at my foot trying to describe how they would do this because they would often just break the whole foot to do this, but, or they would, as a child, start pulling it this way before breaking it. But the goal was to get see like the pad of your foot the ball of your foot as close to the heel as possible so like hyper um increasing that arc so a lot of times it would just be they would break it and then pull everything together and so the foot would end up looking like from the side it had like a heel like it almost looked like a platform heel because you'd have your heel and then it would go up and then it like there'd be a crease that you could put a, a coin in there. Oh, it's so gruesome. Do you understand why I was so upset and why I've been upsetting myself for a week? And so then they would pull the foot together. So you would end up, it kind of looked like a hoof, to be honest with you. Um, it doesn't look like a foot very much at that point. And then they would you know, take the bandages off, wash them, rebandage it. And then they would often re-break the foot. Like, so they would break it, pull it together, let it set, and then break it again, pull it together, let it set. Because the goal was to get increasingly smaller and smaller feet. And um, <sighs> feet don't get smaller with age. Like when you start something at four years old, feet get bigger. So to make them get progressively smaller involved a, a lot of cruelty but they would um oftentimes they'd get infections from the toenails digging into the bottom of the foot so sometimes they would just pull those toenails out they'd remove the toenails and parts of the foot would get gangrene or fall off which they actually it was not to me I'm like that's so alarming because you're gonna have to cut the foot off but I guess if you don't have a foot you just have the end of your leg your ankle area then technically it's a really tiny foot because it's it's much smaller than having the whole fucking foot there um, but so if part, if parts like dot went necrotic and fell off, they were actually like happy about that. Cause it was like less meat in the way, especially like, okay, if the toes died and the toes fell off, then, um, that's great because now you don't have toes. Um, and so it would make the foot increasingly smaller, um, and then sometimes based on how it, it healed, if like the pad part was lower, they would put a shoe just around that front like ball part and then the heel would hang off the back, but they would disguise it with bandages and stuff. So it would look like the foot was a lot smaller than it really was um, because the foot, the foot wraps would be like, it was like a lot of bandages. So they would just like wrap up the foot and then shove the, the pad part in a shoe and the heel would hang over and they would, you know, they'd wear, they had like flowy dresses and pants and, and bandages and then no one was the wiser. They just saw these tiny little shoes peeking out of the bottom. Um, sorry, I'm like making myself kind of nauseous because I just feel so bad about it. And it was something that like, girls wanted to do because it was a sign of beauty and also it was an opportunity to marry up and when you live in a society where those are the like the only way to get ahead as a woman is to be beautiful then people will do anything to be beautiful because 
if you are not women entering the workforce was such a good thing for women <laughs> because it's just having options and agency over your own life rather than being subject to the whims of a man and like the only thing you can do is to be as pretty as possible so you can get with the richest man as possible and hopefully he's also nice um and doesn't beat you uh because like until like modern history it was legal to beat your spouse and it was not grounds for divorce um if you go back in the archives we did an episode of this show about divorce um and like how impossible it used to be uh but um so yeah I guess you know if the only thing that you could aspire to is to be beautiful. Whatever it takes to get to be beautiful, that it's worth it because that's your sole focus. Um, for me, you know, I do my hair and makeup in the morning, but then the rest of my day is filled with stuff that doesn't really involve my looks. And so I have a friend who it drives her nuts because she like, we, we, we were at Disneyland and every time I would take my sunglasses off, I would have like the marks where it smeared my makeup and I wasn't fixing it. And she was like, you're always like smearing your makeup with your sunglasses and you never fix it when you take them off. And I was like, well, to be fair, like I put makeup on in the morning and I leave the house and I kind of forget I'm wearing it because like the rest of my day is not about my appearance really. Um, but for a lot of women, it, it is. And that's like their greatest concern and their biggest concern. And, um, you know, they always have to be checking in a mirror and they like, they don't like to work out cause sweating is ugly. Like, never mind. It's like one hour a day and then you can put your face on. Um, but it just is so these girls would like want to go through with this because it'd be like, Ooh, I can marry a rich man and I'll be very, very beautiful because I will have the tiniest feet and that makes the suffering worth it. Remember in the two thousands when all they, there was so much plastic surgery on TV, like so much, so much, so many shows about plastic surgery. And you'd see these people going through these experiences of getting breast implants and they're cut open and it's going under the muscle wall or they're getting butt lifts or they're getting, you know what I mean? Like pretty intense stuff, you know, like being sliced and diced and stitched back together and healing from surgery is not easy. Uh, I've had a lot of surgeries and it sucks and it drains your resources. Like you just feel yucky. It's not like, oh, I had my tits done and now I'm back to normal. It's like you have a lot of healing both internally and externally and you're going to be tired and it's going to, you know, limit your movement. And it's just, and there's risk of infection and all that. So whatever. But like in the 2000s, it was just like, we were seeing so much plastic surgery and culturally it was like, oh, but it's worth it because then you have big breasts. Like, so it's worth going through this whole operation. Um, like not to mention like the cost, like I, I need to take a month off work and it's $10,000, um, to get tits, but it's totally worth it. Cause then I'll have tits. You know what I mean? And I think that's so ridiculous. I live in a big city right now and sometimes I feel like I'm in a minority by not having any facial fillers uh, I used to get Botox um, to look less stoned but current austerity measures in my post-divorce 
back to school life. It's not in the budget for me currently. Um, and I'm not anti-Botox and I'm not anti-filler. I think I'm just anti the extreme degree to which they are done. Like, I see women every day who have so much upper lip filler that it's migrated and the whole space between the bottom of their nose and their lip is inflamed because they have filler that's not it's gone like way past the lip line all the way up to their nose um and you see the cheeks where they look like a madam doll or a jigsaw for my younger listeners um and so I think that it's that I'm not there ain't nothing wrong with a little nip and tuck um sorry guys I hate myself as well um and I know that I can't sing uh and I wasn't trying because I had to be quiet because god forbid my roommates hear me or my neighbors hear me with that nonsense um but but yeah, I so I'm not mad at plastic surgery in general. I aspire to get blepharoplasty one day um, <laughs> for my sleepy stoner eyelids. But um, I am bothered by the degree to which it makes people look like mutants, like 22-year-old girls whose faces are frozen with Botox who have lip filler to the point where it's stretching the skin out. So if their lips, if they ever stop, their lips are going to look deformed because they've been so stretched out with filler. And like the, I, these doctors, I don't know why they do it. Is it that these girls want to look like Instagram filters? Like I feel like it's like, okay, well, you did all this to look pretty on Instagram, but in real life, it's really unnerving to look at. Um, and like you're 21, but now you look 45 because you have so much work done. And to them, that is what, that's what it, that's necessary to be beautiful is you have to get all these. And I'm like, I'm starting to feel like an outlier because I don't have those. Like my thin ass Caucasian lips are just flapping in the wind. Um, and if I want them bigger, I just overdraw my lip line um and, and so it's like it's a collective body dysmorphia where apparently what is beautiful now is this extreme body modification um there's this woman who goes to the same pilates studio as me and i bet dude i bet she makes 20 grand a month on only fans like i i bet um but in real life it's she's this thin woman who's very athletic like does these acrobatic things but she doesn't have an athletic looking body because she has giant circus tit implants and um it looks like she's had work done in the butt and then her face is rubber and she's probably like 23 and it's just like what led you to cause to change this much about your body and like when you have those big old circus tits, like those cause back problems and mobility issues. And I get why you're in Pilates. Cause if you did cardio, you'd probably pop one of those. Um, but yeah, we've just, that is what society has deemed to be beautiful. Currently is this hyper 
modification, which is like, so not me. And I'll see these women with all these, you know, they've got a thousand dollars worth of fillers in their face. Um, and because I'm me, I'm like, yeah, but you have a weak core, like just work out. (laughs) You would look better if you just had a little muscle and tone, you know, work on those deltoids tone up those butt cheeks like because I just think like for me what I find attractive is like health and strength um and so I'm just like why are you spending thousands of dollars injecting stuff into your face when you could really just like find like a a sport that you like (laughs) like maybe you like racquetball or roller skating or pilates um and then you it'll save you a lot of money like when people are like how much money do you spend to go to pilates and it's a lot um but i'm like but also like you spend that much on like cosmetics and injections it's just a, a, a different allocation of funds um so anyways the girls would want to do this, which I think would, um, was the word ameliorate the pain. Um, I don't know what ameliorate means, but I think I did use it right. Hold on. Am I going to Google it? You would think I'm stoned right now. I'm not. I'm just, I've had a good day and I've been really depressed for like for forever. And I'm not saying that I'm not depressed right now, but, um, I'm feeling more hopeful than I felt in a while. And I just, I felt the dark cloud of depression, man. It just makes you feel like you have no time or energy or love or emotion or anything. Like you have nothing with which to take on the world. And so you just want to hide because you don't have it. And I'll remember, you know, my worst ever depressive period, which was... 10 years ago now and I like couldn't even watch TV because like the effort to pick up a remote and change a channel I just couldn't do it and I would go home from work and I would just stare at a wall and when I came out the other side of that and I told like my friend who I worked with at the time he was like I had no idea you seemed totally normal at work I was like yeah and uh it that was all my energy (laughs) was put towards that masking And then um, I would go home and I would stare at a wall. Uh, But so what was I saying? I was I looking up ameliorate. (laughs) Oh, to make something better. The reform did much to ameliorate living standards. So I think that would, yeah, it would ameliorate the pain. Look at me. I did it correctly. Um... Because, and like, also like, I wonder what you do all day. Like, so like your main job is to have tiny feet and to, uh, withstand this painful, painful process. But then like the rest of the day, do you read? Do you learn an instrument? Um, what do you do? They were, when they would be going through the process too, they would make the girls like walk long distances to help encourage blood flow to keep like the foot alive. So imagine you had your foot broken and like basically bent in half and crumpled up and then they're like, okay, um, yeah, you got to go on a really long walk like every day on these tiny little hoofs. Um, cause that's, that is what they look like. They look like tiny little hoofs. Um, and so I'm going to get to, I'm going to get to the saucy part of this. I just, I worked myself into a place of feeling very bad for people. Um, 
I just, and then I started thinking about, you know, those people who are anti-circumcision and, um, you know, then there's the foreskin reconstructionists. Let's not even get into that. But like their whole thing is like, you're doing this thing to a baby that doesn't have a say in whether or not their foreskin is removed. And because circumcision is so normal in the culture I live in, it seems like weird to be like, no, you just circumcise the babies. Like, and then they don't get made fun of later because women think foreskins are gross, which like, I don't give a fuck. Um, like I, I have experienced both neither made, you know what I mean? It, it did not factor into any part of the er erogenousness um, with or without, um, they were equally pleasant. Um, all of, of all the dicks I've had, they've all been very totally fine. Um, but, um, so because I, I live in a culture where circumcision is really normal and I have met someone who, um, their mom didn't believe in it and he, felt really insecure about it as an adult and ended up getting it done as an adult, which is way more painful and difficult. Um, but it just, he had felt insecure about having a foreskin his whole life. And so he made the decision as an adult to get it removed. Um, but it's because it's, it's very predominant in our culture. Like I don't think anything of it, but reading about this thing that's being done to these little baby girls feet and they don't really, even if they want to have it done, like they don't, they're five, so they don't get to make that decision. Um, because I don't think that you should be able to make decisions about modification of your body till you're a grown ass adult. Um, and even then I think you should, I don't know, 18 just is not an adult anymore. Um, but, but anyway, so it made me think a little bit different and be like, yeah, is circumcision wrong? Like, because it's you're modifying someone's body without their consent um but I don't know I I don't know enough about that debate I do know it's like a hot ticket thing um and I won't speak on it um so yeah so they would do this thing to the feet and break them up and go run on them and then like a year later break them again and bind them tighter to make these little feats and the girls wanted to have it done because they want to be beautiful and they want to marry up and um, they were sought out as wives because, number one, this was the epitome of beauty to have these tiny little feet. They also were seen as they would be strong and obedient because they were able to go through this grueling process, which does make sense to me. Um, you know, kind of like how uh, employers look favorably on somebody who has done military service because the ability to number one, um, survive boot camp and all the orders, but it says that you're someone who can go through extreme situations, um, and also show obedience to authority, which looks great to employers. Um, but, uh, but anyways, so yeah, so like, okay, they're like, oh, well, you're going to be a, a, a strong and obedient wife because you went through this horrible, painful process and you smiled through it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to do a fine job at um, having babies, etc. Now we're going to get to the horny part of it, guys. And this is also something I've been thinking about a lot because as I go to school, the program I'm doing for Pilates teacher training is really focused on the physical therapy aspect of it. It's 
more than twice as long as most teacher training programs. And that's because it is so in depth with the biomechanics of the body. Um, so <laughs> I'm acting like I'm shy now. So the way that these hobbled feet made women walk because they basically had been given these tiny little hooves that they could teeter around on and it caused them to need to engage the inner thighs and pelvic core more um also they allegedly would develop um more muscular uh butts and thighs which would be sexy then but mostly it was that because they had to use these tiny again because in Pilates, it's a lot of tiny, slow, controlled movements that build up these unworked muscle groups. Um, so that's why I'm thinking about it as I'm reading about how these women have to maintain core balance and teeter and take tiny intentional steps and how it ends up making their pelvic floor really strong. And so basically, let me just get to let me get to the, the nut of this, which is that it was viewed that the smaller the feet the tighter the pussy um because apparently women who had gone through this process had really tight pussies and the smaller the feet the tighter the pussy so like that's why guys would get so horny at these tiny feet it wasn't that it looked like a beautiful lotus petal it was that they knew that that lady would have a tight pussy for them to fuck um so that's good. Uh, um, that's exciting. So like that's and kind of like I can't judge it too much because high heels are seen as sexy in the in Western culture and they hobble women and they change the way that they hold themselves muscularly. Um, I don't know if high heels make your pussy tight. Um, maybe if you wear really unstable ones, like those crazy designer ones that look like a hoof, you've seen them. They sell them at fetish stores, but also they've been on runways. Like I bet if you wore those every day, you would probably develop a really strong core and tight puss. Um, so there's that. Uh, um, also, you can just come train with me uh, at Pilates and that will tighten all of your muscles, including your pelvic floor, and you will have a very tight and uh, managed pussy and be less likely to develop incontinence. Now, an, uh, another interesting thing from a biomechanics standpoint is this researcher in the 80s was studying hip injuries and they wanted to know why... Um, in China, women had less hip injuries. Like they didn't as elderly because, you know, there's that thing where it's like, don't break a hip because um, old old people's bones be breaking. But um, sorry, I almost dropped my mic. But particularly uh, women's after menopause and when you lose bone density. Um, so this researcher was like, in China, got a bunch of study participants and was scanning their hips and um, they were noticing like, oh, that one lady has really tiny feet. And they're like, like a research assistant from China was like, well, yeah, she's had her feet bound. She's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and like then they were seeing on the um, scans that these women because it had kept women after woman kept coming in and they were seeing 
they were like, whoa, like this is more like there's more people with bound feet than I thought. Um, much like I thought it was a thing of antiquity and it wasn't. And so what they realized was that um, it wasn't that the biomechanics of life in China um, was leading these women to have these super duper strong hips. It was quite the opposite. They had really low bone density in their hips, um, but it was because they had restricted movement. And so the reason these women weren't getting hip injuries like women in the West is that they were not active. Their lives consisted in and about the home. Um, so you weren't having you know, women in their 60s and 70s sporting. There was, they're not, they're not skiing. They're not doing stuff. They're cooking and doing laundry. Um, and so that's when they realized like, oh, that's why this currently in present day China, and this was in the 80s, like this is why we're not seeing hip injuries amongst women. Not that they have stronger hips, but that they have less mobile active lifestyles. Um, which is really sad because, you know, it became, it, it, the foot would become so debilitating. It was really painful and difficult for women to move. And if they were wealthy, they would have like, a like assistance, like what you would call like, not like a lady in waiting, but you know what I mean? Um, to like balance you as you would walk down the street or whatever. Um, but overall you weren't terribly active because you, your feet were these horrible, mangled, painful things um there was a dance troupe until very recently I forget which province it was in but they were uh, it was a dance troupe of bound foot dancers and it was a thing that people would go to see when they would visit China in the age of air travel I think that's what I need to, I need to stress is that in the age of airplane travel Women are still having their feet broken and bound and there are dance troops of them where tourists can see. And that is fucking wild to me. Um, let me tell you this. Uh, it has been estimated that by the 19th century, 40 to 50% of all Chinese women may have had bound feet, rising to almost 100% in upper class Han Chinese women. Um, and throughout history, like, and we're talking in the 1700s, like every hundred years, someone would come along and be like, like a ruler, a governor would be like, we should not be doing this. And he'd try to make a statement by not like, be like, look at my daughters. I am the king of, I don't, I listen, I don't, I don't know how their government worked in 1600. I don't know how it works now. Um, but they'd be like, look at me. I'm the head honcho and my daughter's feet are totally normal and look how they can move. We should stop doing this to women. Um, but women kept wanting to do it because it was aspirational. And this is where we encounter the if there's anything that represents internalize, internalizing the patriarchy, it's this. And so it's like 
just because that you are a biological female does not mean that you cannot hold views in line with the patriarchy because if you're socialized to think that way I'm sure that like especially in my youth I came of age in the era of girls gone wild like women were not respected women were treated like like you were supposed to be a porn star. Like it it was aspirational to be aspirational. It was aspirational to learn how to fucking talk, but also to be like Jenna Jameson. So like I think that I um struggled with a lot of internalized misogyny just because of that. Like I and then therefore I didn't think very highly of myself or probably other women, but um but yeah, I think talk about representing an internalized misogyny where you as a woman are wanting to hobble yourself because it's seen as beauty and it's how you can get a husband. Like, dude, right? Like, dude, just when I think of how painful a tit job must be, that's not even of could that eventually stops hurting like this is an ongoing process that cannot be undone um that is so extremely painful and the idea that people would go through with it for beauty but yeah so there would always be like different rulers who'd come in and be like we really need to stop doing this and they'd be like no we're not we're gonna keep doing it um a lot of credit for getting rid of foot binding is given to Christian missionaries um, and Chinese reformers. Um, and so like a lot of the stuff that I read would say that these missionaries came in in the 19th century and these Christian guys were like, hey, don't do this. Um, and that's what fixed it. But it actually was less external forces and more internal governmental forces um uh like led to um its decline so there were a bunch of oh my god let me just read something because i don't know what this means but okay basically like there was a culture or a tribe of of Chinese people who did not believe in foot binding and through war they came to power and therefore were able to outlaw foot binding. Do you understand that it wasn't because no one lives in a monoculture. So as I said, the practice of foot binding was different in different areas of China, which is a huge continent. Um, but also like obviously whoever comes to power their ideals are going to be preached and oftentimes forced onto the masses so in the mid 19th century many of the rebel leaders of the Taiping rebellion were of Hakka background whose women did not bind their feet and foot binding was outlawed however the rebellion failed and Christian missionaries who had provided education for girls and actively discouraged what they considered a barbaric practice then played a part in changing elite opinion of foot binding through education, pamphleteering, and lobbying of the king. That's with a Q. King court. 
placing emphasis on the fact that no other culture in the world practiced the custom of foot binding, which is very interesting because a lot of cultural practices you'll find developed independently. Um, You know, they just evolved and these things developed independently throughout the world, but nowhere else did anyone decide to do this. Um, Let's see. The earliest known Western anti-foot binding society was formed in... uh, Amoy in 1874, uh, around 60 to 70 Christian women in Yemen, which is also called Amoy, uh, attended a meeting presided over by a missionary and formed the Natural Foot Society. Um, and the literal translation uh, is because it's Tianzu Hui. I don't know how to pronounce Chinese words. I studied Japanese in school. Literally, it translates to Heavenly Foot Society. Um, McGowan held the view that foot binding was a serious problem that called into doubt the whole of the Chinese civilization and felt that the nefarious civilization interferes with divine nature. Um, Members of the Heavenly Foot Society vowed not to bind their daughter's feet. Um, okay, so a bunch of stuff about missionaries and advocates and opposition. Um, so yeah, that's kind of cool. But like, even at the same time, people, women in lower classes were still doing it because they're like, I gotta fucking level up, bitch. Um, in 1912, the New Republic of China government banned foot binding, though the ban was not actively implemented. Uh, leading intellectuals of the May 4th movement. I don't know what that is. May the 4th. Uh, May 4th movement was a Chinese anti-imperialist culture and political movement, which grew out of student protests. Okay. Um, so anyways, these people who are part of the May 4th movement, um, saw foot binding as a major symbol of Chinese, China's backwardness. Um, provincial leaders led their own campaigns. Regional governments tried to enforce the ban. The campaign against foot binding was successful in some regions. In one province, a 1929 survey showed that whereas, uh, only 2.3% of girls born before 1910 had unbound feet, what that means is that in this province, girls born before 1910 uh, was that 98% of them had bound feet. Um, but those born after 1910, only 5% had bound feet. Um, let's see. In a region south of Beijing, where over 99% of women had once had bound feet, no new cases were found among those born after 1919. Uh, it was discouraged in Taiwan. Um, it lingered in some regions, uh, rural Shangxi, 18% of women had bound feet in 1928. That's still like a lot. Like 1928, 18% of women have bound feet. Um, and in some remote rural areas, such as the Yunnan province, it continued to be practiced until the 1950s. Um, 
In most parts of China, the practice had virtually disappeared by 1949. It was also stigmatized in communist China, and the last vestiges of foot binding were stamped out, with the last new case of foot binding reported in 1957. So yeah, she's probably still alive. Um... In 1999, the last shoe factory that was making Lotus shoes, because that's what they were called, it closed. So it, that's, the, that's the thing, I guess. That's, that's the whole point I recorded this whole hour podcast is that something that I thought was a blip in history and antiquity went on for 700 years. And the factory that made the shoes for these ladies, like the last factory that did that, just closed. Like I was... I think I was already drinking in 1999. And then they're like, all right, there's not really a market left for Lotus shoes. Um, It is kind of interesting, like based on province, the way they broke the foot and bent it, the way the shoes looked, um, like because some places they'd make like little platforms with like a center. It'd be like a flat shoe and then the center would be like a platform and then other places they were like little high-heeled slippers um it's so weird it's so weird look up pictures of it you're gonna fall down a rabbit hole oh I just found a section on wiki about variations and prevalence um yeah that's gonna be too long for me to read to you um let's see health issues most common problem was infection um Let's see. Now they talk about removing the toenails altogether. Circulation was faulty. Um, and the toes circulation was often cut off. So injuries to the toes were gradual to heal and they would worsen or they would rot. And then, you know, necrosis would give off a foul odor. Um, oh, yeah. Most of the women receiving treatment did not go out often and were disabled. Yeah. Okay. If the infection in the feet and toes entered the bones, it could cause them to soften, which could result in toes dropping off. However, this was seen as a benefit because then the feet could be bound even more tightly. Girls whose toes were more fleshy would sometimes have um, shards of glass or pieces of broken tiles inserted within the binding next to her feet and between her toes to cause injury and introduce infection deliberately deliberately disease inevitably followed infection meaning that death from septic shock could result from foot binding and a surviving girl was more at risk for medical problems as she grew older it is thought that as many as 10 percent of girls may have died from gangrene and other infections due to foot binding that seems accurate um at the beginning of the binding, many of the foot bones would remain broken, often for years. However, as the girl grew older, the bones would begin to heal. Even after the foot bones had healed, they were prone to re-breaking repeatedly, especially when the girl was in her teenage years and her feet were still soft. Bones in the girl's feet would often be deliberately broken again in order to further change the size or shape of the feet. This was especially the case with the toes, as small toes were especially desirable. Older women were more likely to break hips and other bones in falls since they could not balance securely on their feet and were less able to rise to their feet from a sitting position. Um, okay. 
wow, there's so much more. There's so much more. And it's so interesting because depending on who what historian you're reading, they'll say either it was a purely erotic thing. It was all about the tight pussy and all this other stuff was just to like um, cover it up. I mean, obviously it was seen as a status symbol to have a wife with bound feet because it was saying that you had enough money that you didn't need a wife who could work or even like work domestically, right? Like, so if you have a woman, it's the same thing as the long fingernails, right? It's a sign that you don't have to work. So if you could marry a woman with bound feet, it's basically a saying that you can take a, I hate to say this, but like a useless mouth into the house. Like you have someone who you have to feed and provide for who is unable to provide back, but you don't need her to because you have domestic servants. So you only need that tight pussy. Um, so yeah, some historians are like, it was purely erotic. Others were like, it was purely to hobble young girls of working in lower classes to keep them working in the home. And then there's others who talk about it as a fashion fad. So it's just, it's very interesting. There's so many viewpoints of it. And I didn't, I said I was going to get to this later about how there are like colloquial sayings um, about foot binding used today. And I don't have the Chinese version of it, which is good because you don't want me trying to um, read in Chinese to you. That is embarrassing for all parties involved. But um, if something smells really bad, they there is a... Um, uh, what do they call it? An idiom where it's saying it smells as bad as granny's foot bindings. And so that's a way of being like, you know, how like if, if you're me, you'll be like, oh, it smells worse than your mom's pussy, bro. Um, but if you were in China, you could say, oh, it smells worse than granny's foot bindings because they um, would only most accounts they found said they would only change the bandages like every two weeks. So picture what your foot looks like at the end of a day when you take it out of your shoe. Um, if you're me, it's like sweaty and kind of fat because I work on my feet. Um, but picture that you just you kept the same socks on for two weeks and they were tight and then like just all manner of fucking fungi and, and rot and necrotic toes. I mean, that couldn't have smelled bad uh, or smelt good. <laughs> that couldn't have smelt bad at all. No, that could not have smelt good. And so, yeah, that's like a modern saying. And why is it a modern saying? Because there are women still alive who have had this done. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, I'm yawning, which means that it's time for me to wish you all a happy hump day. And um, don't look up the pictures of these feet while you're eating um, because it's intense. All right. Bye. Bye.